0: blog talk radio good afternoon this is dr simon uh here in florida where we're now having uh one of our afternoon thunderstorms so i hope i can stay on the air because i hope we won't lose our electricity um if we do it'll just be momentarily but i'll knock everything off and uh uh, I'd have to start again another time. In any event, uh, the story today I, I want to talk about are the stories we kill and die for, religious and political, um, religious uh, uh, killing, the killing of people who refuse to follow uh, the prescriptions, the truths, the factual truths, and the moral uh, uh, truths, the moral rules of any given religion uh, are rife in history. Um, the Middle Ages are filled with horror uh, between the Catholics and the Protestant sect that, re- that cre- was created uh, during the Reformation. In fact it's estimated that between a third and a 50% of the entire population of Europe was uh, reduced, 50% by the incredible violence that was created by uh, arguments as to the validity and truthfulness and morality of either Catholicism or um, Christianity or Protestantism. The battle that is now ongoing between various Muslim sects and between uh, the West with its uh, basically Christian theology um, is horrendous. The death toll is very, very high. And I want to talk about that in terms of what's been happening in terms of our politics. Because our political system here in the United States, which was created out of a a democratic set of ideals, precluded that in several ways, this terrible violence. On the one hand, a firewall in the mind of the uh, founding fathers was created... Between um, religion and the pol- politics by which we choose our leaders and set national policy, it was determined because they understood completely what would happen if a religious, for re- that, a, a, a religious sense of politics uh, was created here in the United States in this new republic in the late 1700s, uh, would lead to what has been happening in Europe and many parts of the world throughout much of history. That not all, but just many of the religious uh, uh, monotheisms and polytheisms, but mostly the monotheisms, which became dominant uh, in the last 500, 600,000 years, 2,000 years, but but if looking at it from uh, United States and and Europe and our history is derived from Europe, um, these monotheisms are hierarchical. They are not practiced by everybody as hierarchical. And the the philosophy is very often... uh, melded with humanitarianism as a philosophy and democracy as a political philosophy. And democracy can be seen as well as humanitarianism as a religion in the sense that it sets forth rules of behavior and it sets forth an ideal, a moral ideal about how people should behave one with another when they're trying to uh, solve conflict Uh, how people should live morally and factually and intellectually. And that is, you have any religion you want. You can practice what you want in your home. Um, But the political system has to be one in which people are respected and seen as human beings uh, in a non-hierarchical system. Now, in my book, I d- discuss the fact that the moment human beings began to see uh, religion as a, as a basic powerful tool to satisfy psychological needs, uh, the idea of a powerful deity or deities, in the case of, the, of monotheistic religion, uh, one powerful deity, would create, would be the, the, the system that would create how we should live and the truths by which we live. In other words, the kind of story we'd all share and live by. And I believe that the mistake was to create this hierarchy, that at the top of the, of the, the apex where decisions should be made, it should not be someone speaking for God or gods, but the will of the people as defined in our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence, and, and the idea of the Founding Fathers. We'll make a mess of things, but it has to be uh, something that can be debated, Something that can uh, uh, be understood by everybody, that there is choice, and ultimately the rules would be rules laid down by the will of the people, voted upon, discussed, and debated in a way that doesn't create a hierarchy in which those who make it at the top are somehow inherently superior to those who have to be obedient to those at the top, and that's exactly what happens in the authoritarianism of so many religions. If you are a heretic, an apostate, if you don't follow the rules, you are violating what God wants, and it has to be taken literally, and you become a danger to the social order And not only the factual truths, but the moral sense of what's right and wrong. We are now, as I see it, creating a system that has broken through the firewall, that separates personal religious beliefs, as hierarchical as they might be, to the political process in which those who speak for a higher authority and declare themselves knowledgeable about the higher authority, those who speak for the God or the gods are superior in some way to those who have to be obedient to their will and their rules. And what is happening is an inability for people to discuss politics in the same way that people have difficulty discussing and debating religion. Uh, most of us in most societies learn you don't criticize someone else's religion. You don't discuss and you don't criticize what they believe to be factually true as to the facts that make them live their life in one way or another, and you don't criticize or suggest that the moral rules by which they live are really not moral in your view. In a secular society, we have rules, but they're not called moral rules, they're called laws. And the laws are created by people. And I am terrified of what I see happening. Part of the breakthrough, as I fear it, and I fear it for many personal reasons, is the the rise of a kind of a Nazi right wing. It's not that the extreme left isn't also obnoxious in some of the hierarchical ways in which they present their ideas. But the real violence is being perpetrated by individuals whose ideas run parallel to many of the ideas that were created by Hitler about a master race and about individuals being ubermensch, that is, higher human over untermensch. The people who seem to be carrying out the majority of the violence are still operating at an individual level. Uh, The shooter in Dayton, for example, had a whole Nazi-like screed that he published uh, uh, before he carried out his violence, And, and I think we need to come to grips with this, particularly when we have a political system now that won't discuss the issue in terms of hierarchical authoritarian politics, but instead discuss it in terms of mental illness, uh, uh, bad people versus good people, monsters versus non-monsters, the people who are doing this are human beings. And they're doing it for deeply personal reasons, as they understand the necessity to shoot other individuals. That something doesn't make sense to anybody else doesn't mean it doesn't make sense to the person who's behaving in a certain way. And I wanted to discuss today, as the main topic, some of the psychology behind in general and specific, why people hold on to certain beliefs and will engage in certain actions Um, from a psychological and social point of view. In effect, I've been doing that since the beginning of this broadcast and a number of other broadcasts without really getting involved in the specifics of which political party now and which part of the leadership I consider to be the most frightening and the most difficult. So I'm not going to call anybody names, and I'm going to stay on the topic of psychology. And that is, talk about some of the reasons I believe that people will hold on to uh, a religious belief or a political belief in this case in such a way that it becomes authoritarian. And they become dangerous to anybody and everybody who refuses to follow that political system. Already families are broken in half. Friends, friendships have ended. Because some people are so, uh, uh, have such a need to hold on to certain political beliefs and, and certain, follow certain political leaders uh, as in the case of any hierarchical system, uh, blindly, without question, with total loyalty. And others are so threatened by this uh, that they're forming counter-systems that can end up in the same way as intolerant and, and, and intolerant to the degree where parents and children don't speak to each other and Ultimately, this kind of fear and hatred can morph into all manner of violence. But I have a problem that I have to talk about beforehand. I have a problem in the sense that I can't step outside of the politics of, of uh, uh, what's going on in our country. I can't escape ...from the actions of some of the politicians I feel who are so destructive. Same is not true in religion. I was raised a Jew, and as I said before to many people and on this show, had by some strange trick of fate, some alter universe, I had been born to the same parents, but in Poland or Russia... At the 1940, I wouldn't be here now. Because of my religion, I would be had been destroyed. And I was raised in a way where I did not have uh, uh, love or my freedom in any way impinged because I was a Jew. Not at home and not anywhere else. True, I understood there were country clubs and colleges I wouldn't have tried to go to. Uh, not only for the economics of the situation, because I went to a free city university and would have had terrible time raising the money for a private college, but there were others who would not have taken me but as a Jew. Um, I became a secularized Jew. I don't follow any particular creed except my religion being culturally Jewish but humanistic. People first, before gods or the gods, and democracy, the way in which we should organize our lives is through the principles of a democracy. All human beings are equal and have the same rights as all other human beings under the law, under God, under anything else that you want to, uh, other system, anything else. All right? So I can't escape that. Um, And I want to make clear how I feel about the, the leadership we have now without diagnosing anybody and without dehumanizing anybody. So I'm just going to spend a few moments on a picture that I absolutely can't get out of my mind And that was in in the – let me see if I can find the picture. It was in an article in the New York Times uh, written by Maureen Dowd, uh, and it was called Trump's Pile of Rubble. And this picture shows a happy president and a happy first lady. They're standing between two other people, and Melania, the first lady, is holding a baby. The president and the first lady are smiling, and the president seems very happy and very proud. Not clear what he's happy and proud about, but he's giving a thumbs up. The baby that they're holding, that neither are looking at, that they're holding in a happy state has just been orphaned by the young man who killed their parents because, according to his creed, they were dark-skinned. And they died rolling on top of their baby because the love they had for that child was greater than their need to continue living without him or her. I'm not even sure. I'll say him. This baby is now an orphan. I think that the two people on the flanking, the president and first lady, are relatives. And hopefully they will take it upon themselves to find or to take this baby into their life But will they be able to love it to the same way that the parents who died protecting him love him? Because that kind of love says, you are more important to me than my own needs, even my own need to stay alive. This baby's life has been irrevocably changed. And my feeling deep in my heart, not in any way made better. What are these two people happy about? Why does it look like they're mugging for a photographic opportunity, a photo op, and the baby is nothing but a prop? What is the psychology of that? I'm revulsed by it, but I'm not talking about anything other. I'm not calling names. I'm trying to understand Two people, particularly one who sets the policy, who has to be responsible for the upholding of democracy, who seems not to be aware that this baby is a tragic figure and he's part of a massive tragedy that grows out of a kind of politics that is now taking over this country. I say no more about it. Anybody who hears this, you have to conclude on your own. What is the psychology of this man and this woman mugging up a shot with a tragic figure whose life will be unaltered forever and ever by the death of the two people who are willing to die for him. So, a little psychology now. Why do people hold on to these beliefs and follow leaders who only wish for hierarchy, who dehumanize others? What is it that we can understand it? And I'm not diagnosing, and I'm not calling names. I just want to use my basic understanding of psychological principles. When religion became powerful, it promised that if you were obedient and loyal to the God, as that God's will was interpreted by a human being a human being who interpreted that will and when that began to happen, it solved certain problems or it created a belief in the solution of those problems there would be justice there would be fairness love would be on the planet but most important that if you were obedient to the will of the God and whose ideas are interpreted by another human being. You must be obedient. You must believe what he tells you to believe, he must, and, and, and the hierarchy around him, and you must behave and believe in the morality, the right and wrong as it's prescribed by that individual in the name of God. You will beat death. You will have a place called heaven. If you are disobedient, you will go to hell. I was in Europe some years ago, had a wonderful tour that took us into the Sistine Chapel, whose incredible ceiling, the work of art that was uh, created by Michelangelo.